Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Beyond the Blockchain. As always, I am your host, Crypto Ricky, and with me again, Techie Rob. Techie Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Ricky. Hope you're doing great as well. So, Techie, before we get started, I heard, I heard, uh, how are you doing? Are you you're you're on vacation, or or what's been going on? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, we've uh, we've got this little spa here in. Uh, down here in Panama, so I'm That's down the here life. in Panama. That's the life. I heard yep, there was a, yep, a little absolutely. bit of a, a shaking, right? A little earthquake. Is that, everything's yeah, okay? <laughs> yeah. A couple of days ago, I think it was about six point seven in magnitude, uh, and what happened was it was it was somewhere hundred something miles off in 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 the uh, ocean, but but definitely had a very um, you know uh, remarkable shake out and all where we are. So. Um, but anyways, um, you know, it happens from time to time, you know, all the Central American countries um, are very prone to the quake. Even yeah. a paradise, even a paradise has, <laughs> has, has little, earthquakes, little, little issues, precisely, right? yeah, exactly. precisely, exactly. And, 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 and lived in California for many years, you know, I'm kind of oh, used yeah. to it. So. Well, that's where I'm, you know, you know, that's where I am. We, we have those yep, as well. That's right. That's right. So, Techie, before we get started, obviously, uh, for the yep. listeners, this is never financial advice, never legal advice. Mm -hmm. But I will turn to you uh, to give us a little statement as well before we yeah. get rolling on on a bunch of great topics. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. As usual, just want to make sure that our audience fully understand that nothing in our conversation is really for information and educational purposes. And therefore, nothing should be really construed as such information and material is legal tax investment financial or other advice right and so we're not uh, you know soliciting recommending endorsing or offering any third party service uh, especially in areas of finances and legal and tax so i just want to make sure we make that clear so we can go ahead and get started Super clear, super, and uh, very excited for the show today just to give a little bit of an insight of what we have uh, on the agenda for the listeners. We will be covering a little bit of Voyager. I think it's important we get an update from you on that, Techie. Um, I do have a couple of questions for you. And then we're going to talk about um, some exchanges and, and some topics on crypto derivatives. So really kind of diving into how, how this works, what are crypto derivatives, and a little history about exchanges and the alternatives to the centralized exchanges that I think um, not enough importance are placed on that. And I think as we move forward, we will see um, some alternatives be stepping up or at least come into the limelight a little more. So with that techie, Voyager, uh, where, where do we stand? Mm -hmm. I know it's been quite a bit of a busy, busy time, um, um, an uncertain time. I know a lot of people are watching like a, like a hawk. And where, where are we, Techie? What's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's sort of the case kind of stopped. So it's given a little bit of a background, as you know, back in December of 2022, Binance Voyager came to this asset purchase agreement when Binance um, uh, with, uh, you know, essentially acquire Voyager's remaining assets and distribute it to customers. Fast forward, went through January and the February, we had the confirmation hearing. Essentially, March, there had been some objections from the Department of Justice and U.S. trustee regarding the exculpation language in the APA and the confirmation plan. This was discussed. The bankruptcy judge uh, overruled those objections, but um, the government, meaning the Department of Justice and U.S. trustee, they appealed to a, a district court in Southern District of New York. The magistrates looked at it, 
said, you know, let's stop this. Let's hear the appeal. And uh, but but the debtors in this case means Voyager and the uh, creditors committee uh, or the UCC. Right. Um, they've decided to go ahead and actually appeal uh, the district court's um, limited order to have the uh, plan on stay. And so um, they were appealing so that the second uh, circuit court of appeals can hear this case and vacate the stay so they can go ahead and distribute cryptocurrency assets back to the customers. So that's pretty much a summary in short. Um, as of the time that we speak today, um, which is Thursday, um, the only update from that is that the motions of both ends, both the, uh, the, the debtors, Voyager and UCC, as well as the motion by the government have been filed with regard to the, to the appeal um, request for the second uh, circuit uh, court of appeals. Um, and then that there has been a hearing set with regard to that for the next Tuesday, that's the 11th of April at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So we've got to wait and see what comes out of this. And, uh, you know, uh, the creditors uh, committee tweeted uh, a while back, I think about a few days ago, that what's going on and that they're also in parallel trying to negotiate the language where, to come up with sort of a mutual resolution with the government. So let's have our fingers crossed and hopefully either they work something out or they get the uh, uh, preferred judgment. And hopefully the most important thing is to get this done and, and return, uh, you know, value to the customers, right? Uh, especially we've all been waiting for the assets for a good amount of time. We have, but now hold on a minute, Techie, because the... If I'm also aware of the mediation, uh, there was a mediation going on with FTX side. Mm -hmm. This this was not fruitful, correct? Uh, do you have anything on that in terms of um, are they playing hardball? Are they trying to go for all or nothing? As I've I've mm -hmm. heard quite a bit, um, you know, from from different sides, and I just want to get what is what is the latest on that? Uh, what what's what's the what are the facts there? Yeah, so that good question. That's a little bit of a callback there, right? Um, as you know, there had been lots of twists and turns with the Voyager bankruptcy case ever since inception. But essentially, what you're looking at is um, back in, uh, I believe, no, the December of or January of, uh, yeah, I think it was January, January of this year. Uh, the FTX Alameda under the new management brought a preference claim against. Uh, Voyager for essentially returning uh, the collateral and taking back the loan that it was extended to to the FTX uh, prior to its bankruptcy. Right, uh, November twenty twenty two, FTX fraud gets unraveled. FTX goes down, and the new management comes in as part of the bankruptcy process. They bring in the FTX claim for amount of four hundred forty five million dollars against Voyager. Um, at the beginning, back in January, they've they've reached an agreement with the FTX Alameda complex. I always try to put them together because they both represent the one front um, to be able to actually work through a mediation and come up with the uh, makeable resolution so that it wouldn't take a long time and it wouldn't be that much costly. It appears that the mediations didn't get anywhere. So on the 5th of April last week, um, no, actually, about a couple of days ago. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Got my time time out here, right? Uh, <laughs> see, yeah. that's one of, one of the benefits of living in a paradise. How's that, Ricky? Um, <laughs> yeah, so so they've decided to actually take this to a, a litigation. Um, 
you know, that's obviously, a, no one, I think that's, a, yeah, 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 because litigation is probably going to be a bit lengthier and it's definitely going to be more expensive than a mediation. So as we were hoping, unfortunately, the mediation hasn't happened. So let, let's see what's going to be an outcome. Um, depending on a date and the fair market value of the assets, um, that $445 million represents anywhere between 12.5% to probably 16% like of, of, of the amount of total portfolio. So, um, you know, that if, if it's all going to be lost, right, uh, let's say through litigation, um, that obviously means the haircut will be greater than was initially expected. But I don't want to speculate, right? So let's see what the litigation is going to come out. But I don't, I don't, I don't expect that to happen anytime soon, unless both parties reach an agreement somewhere to to end the litigation and come up with an agreement that both were happy with. Got it. So a bit of a wait and see now with that as well. Yeah, precisely. Okay. Yeah. Um, Man, I, I felt like there was something else on Voyager that that I was going to touch on, but I guess I guess we can we can save that for another update and another um, another podcast. Um, Techie, before before I turn it to you to to kind of walk us through and, and educate mm-hmm. us on crypto derivatives, I do want to just uh, give a little bit of a snapshot. I think something cool for us to do is to also take a look at where Bitcoin is, where the market is as we yeah. as we do this show over time. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to check out the week by week fluctuations it's, and it's kind of a timestamp of uh, where where we are. So Bitcoin sure. and, and the rest of the market right now um, still sitting Bitcoin still sitting under 28K seems to be finding this sort of level of, of comfort, which you uh, Usually, you know, there's a calm before the storm. So I know there's quite a bit of speculation on whether we will mm-hmm. see a move up above 32K or if we will drop back down. Um, Techie, I'm in the camp. I think we have a little bit of turbulence coming in the summer mm-hmm. months. Um, you know, there, there's been there's been some some people in the stock market saying that the stock market yeah. might go down as well. Um, but we shall see. Um, so I just wanted, wanted to kind of give a timestamp before we start to talk about um, exchanges. With that said, I, I'll, I'll turn it to you, Techie, and um, let's dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, speaking of Bitcoin, by the way, I, I sort of agree with you. I think you're in the right sentiment. Um, it all depends on deterioration of a macro environment, right? Um, if, it, if it goes further. And one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, Bitcoin prices have reached this this level, right? I mean, if you, if you look at it, let's say comparison with the last year it's been a bit higher and i think it's just because it benefited from the entire ongoing banking crisis right so i bear that in mind there is a fundamental reasons for it to it um there's also been a a good level of uh, derivatives activities which a lot of people especially lots of market gurus are actually attributing to this lot of derivatives um uh trading especially in the speculative part which we're going to cover this here so um so yeah so I'll, i'm with you i think it, it you know i i agree that you know it is more likely for the, for the market to to be a little bit more turbulent and and the prices to start fluctuating a bit speaking of derivatives right um it's so interesting i i you know I've heard many places people talking about what the crypto derivatives are and the truth of the matter is um to really simply put it a derivative yeah, crypto derivative is no different than any traditional derivative in a sense that it is sort of a product or a contract right uh, that has a predetermined value by both parties based on the underlying asset right um 
you know, in traditional or trade foreign markets, right, derivatives derive their value from assets, you know, such as stocks, right? You've got bonds, interest rate commodities, you know, even the 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 FX or fiat currencies. Um, so the cryptocurrencies are the same thing, right? They they really serve as the underlying asset for the valuation of the crypto derivatives. Generally speaking, um, there are three types of derivatives in crypto market uh, that are being primarily used. Uh, one one of those are crypto futures. Uh, which is nothing but an agreement or a contract between a buyer and seller, right? To sell it that underlying cryptocurrency asset, let's say in Ethereum, right? Or uh, Bitcoin in the future, right? So the specific date and amount, you know, are agreed ahead of time. So it's a lot of these variables in this contract will be negotiated and agreed on, you know, ahead of time, right? Now, these contracts may have varying details, but the terms are generally the same, right? Because it's really standardized in the market for being used. Uh, they're very popular type of crypto derivatives, these future contracts, simply because a lot of institutional investors um, are, are using these future contracts, right? Um, and then we'll go through what some use cases might be. And they, they do actually... Um, derive a lot of data, a lot of insight from these contracts, these futures contracts, which you actually use for analytical purposes, meaning to predict some future price movements and market sentiments, right? Um, and so then the other type of options that you've got is uh, really the options, right? Uh, uh, again, another type of derivative contract allows a trader to buy or sell or a specific commodity, in this case, an underlying uh, crypto asset and the set price on a future date, right? But unlike futures, options allow the buyer the opportunity not to buy the asset, in other words, not to exercise the option, right? Um, we've got call options and we've got put options and we also got American and European options. These are, you know, um, very different, one of those, right? Yes, exactly. And the same really applies with the crypto again, because crypto is an underlying asset, but the options uh, contract mechanism is pretty much the same as if you have with the trade fund, right? Um, call options usually allow anyone who trades them, right, to purchase an asset on a given date. Well, put options allow a trader to sell an asset on a given date. Now, one of the th important things that I believe everyone needs to really um, take into account is that you do not actually own the underlying asset, right? In most of the instances, you are just essentially speculating based on that, that where it's going, right? Um, and therefore entering into that options contract and, and decide whether to exercise or not. Uh, American options, you know, remember I said we've got call and put options and American European options. So American options can be sold before the contract's expiry date. Um, and whereas the European options really need to be sold exactly on the agreed date, right? So that's that's a difference. When American option contracts, you have a little bit of a more flexibility than the European options. Um, and then a, another last type of these derivatives of perpetual contracts uh, or Sometimes they're called perpetual futures contract, right? Um, is the most um, sort of like prolific type of crypto derivative in the sense that it, a lot of day traders actually use this. In traditional finance, right, TradeFi, um, it's something called a contract of a difference or CFD. Uh, in crypto world, it's just another perpetual contract. And um, mm -hmm. 
the really difference between the rest is that the perpetual contracts do not have an expiry date. So position, you can keep a position as long as you want as a trader, right? Provided that you'll be, you know, essentially paying for holding fields or the funding rate fees, that's what they call it. And your account also maintains a minimum amount called the margin, right? So you see where people get margin calls and all that. It's really on these based on these perpetual contracts. So these are really three types of uh, derivatives. And one thing we want to understand about the crypto derivatives is that they are really only two purposes for really trading these derivatives. One is for hedging, right? So you would expect the price may go up and down and you have some holding as you really want to hedge that. So you enter into, in other words, you utilize a derivative contract whether it's futures or options or perpetual one in order to kind of hedge it, right? Futures options are very popular for hedging, just like traditional finance. And then you've got speculative, right, uh, reasons that you speculate the price might going to go up um, and so that you might want to use that. Now, another thing the market really like when you start thinking about crypto derivatives and how rapidly they became very popular among the day traders is that because of very that, popular. there are derivatives mm -hmm. you can use leverage, right? And that allows you to gain exposure to an asset even further at the fraction of cost, right? So if, so if I can if, say put put in a hundred, but buying able being able to leverage mm -hmm. my hundred dollars, that hundred now turns into a size of let's say a thousand if I'm doing a ten x leverage. Exactly, exactly, and so for that reason, you know it it you know if it's managed right from a risk perspective, understanding the market sentiment, and if it goes right, it actually can provide a tremendous profit taking opportunity for traders. Hence, what it's very. Now, uh, popular. Mm -hmm. There's always been such a, you know, people always say, be very careful with leverage because obviously it's so risky and, and you can get, right. it's often a running joke, but you can get liquidated, right? Um, but Techie, can mm -hmm. you explain why that why that happens? And also, I think it's important to understand um, the, the impact on price that happens. For example, when there is a short squeeze um, that we then see shorts get liquidated and in turn, you see such a such kind of a drastic movement up. Um, in the price of such a sort of like a digital asset such as Bitcoin, can you kind of explain that to me? I've always been a little um, curious about what exactly is happening there. Um, you mean in terms of so in terms of a crypto market, right? Um, um, generally speaking, you've got to start looking at why people are doing this, right? Why why people actually start using these derivatives right because then what is derivative and we talked about it but how how do you actually use the leverage part right because that's one of the most important th attributes of a, of a derivative contract that you can use um is leverage so how the leverage works right so let's say you have um if you look at a crypto exchange like binance right um, it allows its user to select to leverage that goes up as much as 125's initial margin. So then what happens is if you have it, let's say you have a long, um, your, your sentiment is that the price of an asset is going to go up. Uh, you don't know how much, but you know that ultimately it's going to, you know, within that period of time, very short in, in nature, right? Short term in nature is going to go up. So essentially what you do is you sort of like think about it this way. The simplest way is you magnify what you can get, right, uh, without actually putting a lot of 
down payment for it. So let's say that you can you can magnify the power of your hundred into three hundred without necessarily putting three hundred dollars down payment to have a buy power of three hundred. If you would have invested that three hundred and would have used it like a spot market, right? So then what happens? The price goes up. Your position goes three times higher as expected. You stop it there. You essentially take the profit. So a what it means, it means in this case, like the leverage allows you, even with the smallest, slightest price increase, you can have a lot of leverage because depending on how much you magnify it, you're going to get more into it. The leverage also, one of the things it does is that allow the investors, right, their trade people actually use leverage to magnify the small price movements. And therefore, sometimes when it's done collectively on, a, on a, a little bit higher scale, it actually increases the prices, right? So if it's, let's say if there are five traders out there, each one of those are magnifying three, ten times their profits because of leverage on an uptrend, that means it's going to go high. The expectation is price of, let's say, Bitcoin is going to this number and everyone leverage long Bitcoin that what happens is it's magnified anywhere between three times to 10 times, right? Guess what happens? A smallest increase in a, in, a, in a price of Bitcoin can actually not only increase the profits these people make, but actually increases the price of the Bitcoin a little bit higher, right? I see. So that, mm -hmm. that's got that. And the vice versa, right? You can lose a lot more than what you've got if, if your thing goes down. In other words, what happens is if you if you have margin and leverage to the long and the prices start going down, even the slightest decrease in prices, now your loss is going to be magnified, right? If you're on the other side of the trade and it's not a good thing, right? So in another example, you can do the same thing. It's called the short selling, right? So essentially what you can do is you can short a position using a derivative and magnify the price. So if the price starts going down, and if you're short, you're automatically going to see an increase. And guess what happens? It's going to also decrease the price even further. Hence, we put the short pressure on the price of the underlying asset. This is primarily the reason why lots of companies, especially in the uh, trade fi business or the companies that have equities out there, don't like the short sellers. Because that's what one of the things that it can do to them. Very interesting. And in terms of players in the market, who who drives who who has the most volume here or uh, for for these derivatives? Yeah, it's 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 actually a very interesting question that you ask. Okay, so let's think about what what are the numbers at scale that we're talking about, right? So the derivatives volume in January of just this year was up seventy six point one percent from the month before December to $2.04 trillion, the largest percentage increase since January of 2021, when the volume rose 114%. So think about it, the, 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 the crypto derivatives market is now 114% more large in terms of the volume traded just last January compared to January of 2021, which itself rose about 114%. Just think about it. This is interesting, isn't it? On top of it, derivatives trading in the crypto asset markets now represents roughly 71% of the entire crypto market, up from just 68% in December, a month before that. 
Um, there's a company called Crypto Compare Data, and they actually they, they use a lot of this data for analytical purposes um, to create insights. And the, the, just their findings and, and, and the data points are actually presented are fascinating. Guess what? They're also the largest trading of derivative activities, right? Guess what? They had worst gains, the greatest gains for the world's largest cryptocurrency market caps. Guess what? Bitcoin and Ethereum, each up 40% and 32%, right? So Bitcoin up 40%, Ethereum 40, 32% in January, just in comparison to December. So these price increases that we're looking at, along with this derivatives trading that happened started, like you've got this pro asset price increases going in start in January of 2023. There's a lot of people attributed to the derivatives trading. And the data supports that. If you look at the monthly spot versus derivatives volumes, like in December of 2022, it was derivatives trading was a lot much larger than a spot, but the spot percentage of the entire volume was greater. In January 2023, that hasn't changed for spot, but the derivative trading went up again, right? Because derivative trading essentially were kind of going down since November of 2021. You know, that's when the market started having turmoils, the you know, the macro environment starting becoming a little bit more problematic. And I picked it back back up again in January. So that would be a very that's very interesting to see. As in terms of now, I'm going I give you all this so I can get to your question. Because without that context, it's really hard to understand that. Of course. Yeah, in, definitely. In January, you know. now in terms of the exchanges, in January, Binance alone had 1.26 trillion volume of largest derivatives exchange, January. Then the second followed following Binance, the second spot goes to Bybit. And Bybit had $301 billion. So out of that 2.04 trillion, 1.26 meant just for the Binance, and then $301 billion belonged to Bybit. Now, it, this is interesting. Bybit recorded its highest ever market share in derivatives in January at the same time increased by 14.6%. So if you look at it, the derivatives market uh, have been between Binance and Bybit and others. It's fascinating to me um, to actually take a look at some of the difference there in volume. Is there any chance, I've, I mean, have you seen also with the CFTC, their, 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 the case that they brought forward mm -hmm. against Binance, that they were saying some of the volume is faux volume or fake volume. Do you think there's any chance that that difference uh, may, again, speculation, but could be um, sort of a manipulated in such a way? I, I mean, I'm asking you this, Techie, as you've been kind of doing your research here on this topic, what, what your thoughts are on that or why such um, a difference? It could. It partially could um, or it may not, right? It's quite frankly, it's very difficult to measure it when you can't really audit these things you know, in a very thorough fashion, right? Um, as you know, part of the more ongoing issue with all these exchanges, especially exchanges that are not formed in the United States, is the audit part, right? So CFTC alleges Binance to have these tr fake trading accounts, right, the insider accounts. 
Um, but but this is these are the data from Binance. So, you know, probably if you've got a good auditor, could have gone there and looked at both and kind of tried to reconcile, could have really got at the bottom of it. But without that, it's really hard to meaningfully verify one side of the story or the other. Of course, Techie. My my thought, Techie, is, uh, and I was thinking about this when once you once you you know you started talking about mm-hmm. this is what would happen then if we didn't have exchanges as an on and off ramp in crypto. This has been a thought that has been running through my mind within these bankruptcies, within sort of this, uh, I don't know if you've heard the term operation choke point. Have you heard of this? Yes. Apparently, lots of people are saying what's going on with the regulation through enforcement is part of a broader scheme called the operation checkpoint 2.0. Um, so- exactly. So, I mean, I'm just going to I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline, because if you see here um, and it started on December 6th, if you recall, Senator Elizabeth Warren, John Kennedy and Roger Marshall sent a letter to crypto friendly bank Silvergate, basically scolding them for providing services to FTX and Alameda and lambasting them for failing to report suspicious activities associated with those clients. Ever since then, they've been on a flurry of basically, um, you know, trying to choke off banks supporting crypto exchanges such as well Binance mm-hmm. I think um you know uh Kraken and Kraken also had an issue with their uh with the bank that they used and Coinbase um as well they've been attacking staking on Coinbase for example but with regards to the banks this sort of operation choke point it was fascinating to me to to also take a look that um Kraken is also considering launching their own bank I don't know if you've if mm-hmm. you've seen this I, I was thinking why don't why don't they if there's if they have if they have money why not consider launching your own bank and then I thought how difficult is that uh techie really to, to start yeah. your own bank well the, the first and foremost let's start with this right i think you brought a very good point and um that's a very valid consideration of what's going on i think um if i'm not sure personally that there is an operation check uh, you know choke point 2.0 going on right now i know that the regulator wants to catch up you know especially because the fdx situation was a colossal failure for for our regulators in many so many levels and i think they're trying to kind of come back a bit louder and saying hey you know we're doing something here right um but let's say if 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 that to be true assuming that there is an operation chalk point going on you know bank regulators can essentially um include a new provision or requirement for banks to you know not it don't accept uh, money coming from crypto. The problem with that is you can't really do that simply because there is nothing out there that it says the crypto assets are by nature illegal or are by nature uh, do provide an opportunity for everyone to use it, uh, you know, to, to launder money or, you know, uh, while at any of the laws like bank secrecy act or stuff that we've got simply because if you say that well that stands for the uh, fiat currency as well right you can potentially use it for money laundering right so the asset itself is not a problem uh but i but i do see 
if the Kraken wants to do that, and if there is no choke point 2.0 going on, I think they probably have a good good shot at getting um, getting a bank, uh, you know, charter, um, so that they can they can start providing. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. did look into this and to see, okay, what, what do they need to do? And Kraken actually won its bank charter approval in 2020. Um, you know, the, and they've stated the bank, if fully online, would be able to provide a comprehensive deposit taking and custody and fiduciary services for mm-hmm. all digital assets, which sure. was very interesting for me to see how they're starting to position themselves. I think, I think exchanges such as Kraken, Coinbase, Binance, they see this coming. Uh, right. So they, they see, hey, either we need to come up with a solution ourselves or or we need to get ready because, I mean, the traditional banking system, they might not be they might not see the need for us. Right. They might not mm-hmm. see the need, but rather do it themselves. I think you see this with now. What I mean, I know Fidelity is not a bank, but you say you see them uh, providing now Bitcoin custody solutions. I think they've also added Ethereum and, and will add Litecoin in the future. You can kind of see, I don't know, the direction that these exchanges might feel the need to have to do these banking services themselves. A question I'd have for you, Techie, could it ever be possible to have a sort of decentralized concept of a bank? I mean, you still have these exchanges which are centralized entities right I, I i'm wondering could there ever be a solution for a more decentralized bank first i want to get your thoughts on that and then i will explain a little bit about how bitcoin started uh, with its old p2p sort of nature um mm-hmm. as as kind of as kind of something that rhymes alongside that but first techie could there ever be this sort of community owned bank is that is that just a utopia that cannot exist <laughs> well technically speaking you can have one and there, there, there's nothing wrong with it uh, practically um the way i see it is that the you know some functions of the bank most functions can be decentralized some cannot um but not less the most important pieces of banking are essentially deposits and lending can fully be decentralized absolutely and um like is a, it gonna uh, happen like yeah. a bank dow for example like yeah, a, a dow yeah. where it's a you know yeah Exactly. But what I'm saying is the current banking framework, whether domestically or internationally, is not only not every single function of that is compatible with you or, you know, it's feasible to being decentralized. But the most important pieces of any banking practice can be decentralized. And that's all matter because then we can find things. We can even get to an era where we can start creating a more modern, more technology-based banking framework, right? In which that includes decentralized banking. Absolutely. Now, there is a business and technological will for it. The question is, is there a political will for it to allow that happen, right? Uh, Because as a banking, remember, a banking institution is a highly regulated institution. So if a government or the banking authority, in the case of the United States, is the Office of Controllers of Currency, FDIC, as well as the Federal Reserve itself, if they if they do not come in agreement with the Treasury and if there are no laws by Congress, I I cannot possibly conceive that we ever have a uh, decentralized bank, let alone um, as something a little bit more even enhanced. So, 
Understood. And this is why then I will lean to the peer-to-peer sort of Mm -hmm. original solutions such as local Bitcoins and Paxful. Unfortunately, both of these are now shutting down. I think local Bitcoins has recently closed as well. Um, Paxful, though, just recently this this happened uh, last week. There were some issues related to disputes between co-founders, but I think more so it was some regulatory regulatory challenges that they had, especially in the U.S. and perhaps some some pressure that they were facing. Just as a quick side point as well, they did Paxful have an earn program, which um, I wonder if was also a bit of an issue. They had a partnership with Celsius, which I found very interesting, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that was somewhere where things got hairy with regulators with with the Paxful earn. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't find too much in my research about that. Um, but why why do we care about these sort of peer to peer exchanges and what are they exactly? So the importance of this is that these peer to peer exchanges really allow the users to buy trade and sell cryptocurrencies without the assistance of a third party. We can relate this to a Kraken, a Coinbase or a Binance. Um, sure. So. It, it's very fascinating, Techie, because basically it's just a marketplace where it will, the 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 place, in this case, we just take Paxful, connects you with someone and um, you, you in essence, let's say you want to buy a Bitcoin um, and you want cash, either through Venmo, through Zelle, you have all of the different options, or you can even meet up in person, actually, and, mm-hmm. and these platforms connect you, um, you are able to do that. Uh, it's very interesting to me that... There, that this is still allowed, and I'm I'm wondering, Tech, if you think that there will be more crackdowns on the peer-to-peer marketplace. This is originally how Bitcoin started before there were exchanges. Yeah. I just yeah. I just I wonder, Techie, do you think there's more coming in terms of of uh, crackdowns on peer-to-peer? I mean, that's the nature of Bitcoin. So where where will we go eventually? Will you have to meet up in person and and exchange your 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 Bitcoin yeah. for cash with someone? Uh, someone on outside of the grocery store techie or or do you think these online exchanges will still be allowed to exist well first let me ask you this why do you want to exchange your bacon for cash <laughs> right and you know you're, you're 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 jumping my gun but that that's my point at the end of the day there's there's two solutions right. i think to to us thinking about yeah. uh, the future of on and off ramps right there there's mm-hmm. one side that's that says okay, we need to come up or we need the exchanges to have their own on and on and off ramp solutions, i.e. Right. starting their mm-hmm. bank. And then there's the other side that you might say, hey, if we have peer-to-peer solutions, this might, this might work. But also techie, there's maybe a third side actually, might I add, that says, why can't Bitcoin be the medium for payments or or another uh, cryptocurrency, something, something quick, I don't know, um, an avalanche or something. But that that's that's really the question we're not there yet with adoption techie and i mean even this is a topic that we should probably dive into more in terms of how crypto can be used as payments in 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 kind of the the terminal sense where you know you're at a mcdonald's and you order 
we're not at that point because I think, for example, with Bitcoin, you can't sit there and wait uh, to actually transfer your crypto. The, the It'll take far too long. And the services that do allow you to, let's say, pay with crypto, I mean, they're, you're not essentially paying with crypto, really. You're, you're, you know, you're using the service and then they're liquidating and giving it to the um, in this case, I mentioned McDonald's. They're giving that. They're giving cash to them. They, McDonald's doesn't receive crypto, correct? Yeah. So, w- what I mean to say is, I think there's a lot of of work to be done mm-hmm. with. First of all, identifying maybe it's not a one size fits yeah. all. Maybe it's not one solution. Maybe it is these different solutions. But I, I ask you, Techie, um, what you think about kind of the 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 peer to peer space? I think it's essential to what cryptocurrency is. I mean, Bitcoin is a peer to peer payment system right but um in terms 100%. of how how can i trust uh also how can i trust the other person at the other side um you know if if these do get shut down i mean they they do serve a place paxful served a great solution to to you know they they're they were the intermediary right if you say mm-hmm. you, you could you could put your your bitcoin or your cash in escrow you you get your deal done you buy or sell your bitcoin and then you have your cash so i ask you techie you know just your thoughts on on the peer-to-peer market and is it bad news that we're starting to see them have some more hurdles here um you know just just some regulatory challenges and and that they're shutting down or are we just seeing this uh kind of kind of evolve and 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 is it a wait and see I think, yeah, you know, it's you made very good points regarding the future of of peer to peer, right? Um, and I was going to ask you actually a question, so I'm going to answer yours, and then I'm going to ask mine. I think, I uh, personally, the way I think it is, is actually good to have the peer to peer market, um, and peer to peer market can potentially be a mechanism in which can address the issues we're going to have within, you know, uh, banks and offering on ramp through the bank. Right. Um, so, so they can become, but, but the question then therefore would be, so let's say if you reutilize the peer to peer market in order to, to essentially function as an intermediary, with the fiat, right? Um, or, you know, in other words, with the, even the other crypto assets. So how do you manage risk and liquidity uh, better than an exchange? So you become an alternative to an exchange, but a one-stop shop having everything. You see where I'm going with that? It, part, part of the... Um, Let's put it like this. Part of the issue that I see with the adoption is that if you create two separate entities and different services to get one thing done at the time, it becomes the more layers you add, the harder it becomes to adopt, right? Because it's more complex, less simple. One of the reasons why I've I've always thought that the central exchange is going to stay around no matter what, it's because of its ease of use. For majority of people, other things are not. So, Ricky, maybe I'm I'm going to ask you this question: Why do you think a good peer-to-peer market, if does all that attribute, need to be in conjunction with an exchange? And why somebody has to go through an exchange to just take the fiat, go peer-to-peer market, right? And they barter, or they or, or they buy and sell. And what's what's the difference? Well, I think that the peer-to-peer trading. I mean, obviously, it's it's popular and and offers certain advantages. I mean, first of all, you do have a greater sense of privacy from the sense, and this is going to be a very, I think, touchy 
topic mm-hmm. or point. But mm-hmm. typically with these peer-to-peers, you don't need to to have KYC, right? So this is this is something. I mean, you might on the back end of of then getting your cash out from something like a, a Zelle or a Venmo or whatever way that you decide on that peer to peer platform. But uh, typically, you also have lower fees. Um, there are more fiat trading pairs. So do I want to get euros or or dollars or pesos for my Bitcoin? That's a very easy way to transact on the peer to peer networks um, that I've seen. The, the main point I see here um, and the part where I have used a peer-to-peer um, sort of interface was with the ability to also – you can transact and, and take any any asset you have. So if I want to swap um, – I actually had I had Binance uh, BNB. I sent it over in P2P and actually received some Bitcoin back as well. And there's other solutions for it, but I couldn't – for some reason, I couldn't get it. I couldn't – I had some issues on some of the other centralized platforms and doing that or the fees were ridiculous. So um, mm-hmm. typically here, it's really a fee thing and I think, again, Techie, this is one and I think this is what the regulators have an issue with. There's no KYC on these platforms so they're for, peer, for peer-to-peer, right? So you don't know. Are you are you supplying? Are you are you supporting a you know a, a terrorist or something? And th- I, I get it. These these are touchy subjects. But remember, this is decentralized money. I mean, w- we have to. We can't pick and choose which aspects of decentra- decentralization we like, right? I I think that we, when you have a decentralized system, that's for everyone, and that means everyone, right? What one hundred percent? That's why I asked the question because. Your, your, your response was very interesting and it led to something that I was talking about a bit earlier, right? So if you want to have these peer-to-peers develop, then they need to start implement in order to survive the regulatory environment and develop, right? Because if, you if you're not regulated, let's be very clear, at a certain point you can't, you can't scale more than a certain, certain level. Right, so you're always going to be remain very small. You, it's going to be highly risky. So you're never going to have really serious volume of money, especially institutional investors come in and actually try to use that. Even for the retail, people are going to be, you know, more skeptical. Let's put it like that. So it needs to be regulated, and in order to be regulated, right, what do you need? You need an authority of some sort, whether it's um, you know, a, a banking authority, it's a capital markets authority, whomever it might be, come in and provide some some level of uh, assurance that, hey, you know, these follow the regulations. And no matter where, which authority you go, the very first thing is KYC and AML, right? How do you know who your customers are? Do you know this is not used for terror finance or, you know, money laundering and things of illicit nature? Um so I don't see, I don't see, and and if someone's, you know, value proposition is privacy, oh, God, oh, God, goodness, I mean, you, you, you're going to have a lot of <laughs> yeah. difficult times with the regulator for that aspect. So I see P2P's potential to develop and actually be better, better in many aspects, but you can't expect privacy. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I I agree, and I think it'll be very interesting to see where exchanges go and what regulation brings um, in general for centralized exchanges. I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, we see we see a lot of the bad, and we're in this sort of um, middle hanging, low hanging fruit situation where we're we're stuck, we're dangling right. on the tree still. 
you know, but yep. I think that when when clarity comes in, I don't think I don't think our government is is stupid either. And I, I would hope, I, I, with fingers crossed, I say this, that they that they don't, um, you know, also put us in such a corner where all that's left are peer to peer solutions. Where you, you, if the if the true goal of of the government is to protect us, as as I say in in kind of these air quotes, if it's to protect us, then you know it's in their best interest to keep us on. A centralized exchange. I, I sometimes I, I don't understand. Uh, rather than us going into, mm. you know, for, as I mentioned, my example early on when I first discussing this is going into a corner <laughs> in an in an alley with someone and, and buying my Bitcoin that way. Um, you know, mm. so I don't know. It just it raises some questions. I think I think it's promising uh, for us to see where uh, the eventual the inevitable regulation techie uh, where it will take us. Absolutely, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Well, um, with that said, I think I think that's all all that we have for today, yep. Techie. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any other comments that you have on on the topics we talked about? I think uh, it was a nice session. Um, definitely some points that I, I noted here for us to maybe take into a, a deeper dive. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah. And and you know, as this is obviously a second episode, and as we move forward, we're gonna start engaging our audience in an active fashion in a sense of asking for the topics that um, you might be interested, right? Uh, or audience are interested to know about and then we, we would like to able to kind of have them uh, around and be able to plan and provide shows. Again, our objective here is to provide information and education. So provide insight for people. And and, and, yeah. and some relevant topics as well. I think, you know, we we will always try to craft the show in such a way with with topics that are relevant to what's going on. Um, but in addition, with with that said, we I know Techie, we have some exciting episodes coming up. There there are some hot topics in in crypto right now that I think we need to take a deep dive in as as far as tech and as far as uh, innovation goes as well. So I'm I'm pretty excited to be touching on some some future topics. And we also yeah. have been considering guests. So so be excited if you're listening to the show. Um, yes, you know, Techie and myself will will always be on the show, but we uh, we will spice things up and bring on guests and and definitely uh, definitely give you guys um, some additional value. Absolutely. And I'm I'm excited for one thing and I can't wait for those sessions. Well, Techie, with that, I think I think we'll we'll cut it. And um, again, you guys, thank you so much. Please share this podcast and, and give us a like and follow wherever you get podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. We're looking to other platforms. If you would want to see us on a different platform that we might not be listed on, please let us know. You can reach out on Twitter. And uh, Techie, I think that's it. Uh, can we sign off? Yes we can. Goodbye.